Welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and we have again co-host, Mr. Co-host, John Lem Wilson. And we are here to pump you up. Up. Nice. Not really, because I nope. hate exercise, but you know, it's not a good at the time. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with exercise as long as I'm just chasing me, then I'll run. Until then, I don't see a point. Yeah. I just, I, I, I've come to grips with the fact that I'll never be able to podcast as Adam Warlock. Maybe when he gets to the, I'm wearing a cape that covers my entire body phase, but, uh, but definitely not right now. Oh, see, Michael is just the podcast that's kept the troll. <laughs> but yeah, we are back to talk about some more Adam Warlocky goodness. And this time Warlock is in the issue. The whole issue. Well, it's his book. He better be in it. Yeah. Well, last time oh, yeah, we did the Hulk last time, didn't we? Yes, he had a one-panel cameo. <laughs> now we're going to get to see what I... Because he's like, I can't go deal with that right now. i got to go deal with other stuff. And now we're going to get to see what the other stuff was. And the other stuff, if the other stuff is what happened in issue three, at least in the beginning, wasn't that important. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a second. I'm going to do a synopsis issue for anyone who hasn't read it, and then we'll be back right afterwards to talk about the issue itself. Warlock number three. The Apollo Eclipse. Had a cover date of December 1972 and went on sale on September 9th, 1972, with a cover price of 20 cents. The writer was Mike Friedrich, penciler Gil Kane, inker Tom Sutton, letterer by John Costanza, editor was Roy Thomas, and the cover art was by Gil Kane. Our story begins with Adam and his four followers driving a speedboat in the Pacific Ocean off of Malibu. Well, Dave is the one driving, the other three kids are just sitting in it, with Adam standing on the front. The kids are arguing, as usual, about trusting Adam and how Ellie and Eddie haven't completely cut off their father the way Jason and David have. Adam is brooding on the events of issue two. He thought he had completely destroyed the world and almost killed his friends until he realized it was just a trick of the man-beast. He stopped himself and didn't actually destroy anything except the man-beast, but to him it was still real. He is about to say something to Ellie when he is struck by lightning and levitates high into the sky. This was no ordinary lightning bolt, but a summons from the High Evolutionary. Adam recounts how the High Evolutionary created Counter-Earth, and the High Evolutionary recounts about how Adam almost destroyed it. The High Evolutionary also tells Adam about the Hulk and the Rhino coming from the original Earth, and, again, he thinks it would be better to destroy Counter-Earth than for the citizens of the two planets to discover each other. Adam again refuses to let the High Evolutionary destroy the planet, and for his efforts is told that he has become tainted, because he doubts the High Evolutionary's wisdom. In an act of amazing self-delusion, the High Evolutionary tells Warlock, I see your earthly residence has already tainted your once nigh-divine state, so that already you doubt my wisdom. But perhaps that is a healthy thing, and I have patience, even if you do not. So the High Evolutionary decides he will continue to keep his promise to not destroy Counter-Earth, and sends Adam back down, exhausted and unconscious. While Adam is asleep on the boat, a submarine stalks the waters beneath him. Inside the submarine is a crew of new men, who, with the depth of the man-beast, now seem to be working for Apollo. Apollo appears to be human, but with red skin. Once his crew tells him that Adam has been sighted above, 
They use their weapons on the sub to create a whirlpool near the boat. The boat is starting to be sucked into the whirlpool, and the kids fear that even Adam won't be able to help them. Adam comes to then and rebukes them for their doubt. He then dives into the ocean and finds the sub. They try to hit him with lasers first, which he dodges, and they then use Dr. Octopus-style tentacles, which almost work until Adam rips them apart. Apollo gets nervous, and the sub releases black smoke, which covers their escape. Adam then resurfaces and rejoins the kids in the boat, and they start to head back to land. Their goal is the military base that Ellie and Eddie's father works on. He had invited the five of them up to see the launching of a new rocket. The four kids had argued about whether or not to go, but Adam convinced them all it was a good idea. It seems he wants to bridge some of the generation gap between his followers and their parents. David's father, the senator, is also there, as well as Rex Carpenter, who is running for president. The rocket takes off, but Apollo's submarine flies out of the ocean after it and destroys it. Adam flies towards the ship and is met mid-air by Apollo. They fight until Apollo is unable to keep up his disguise and is revealed to be another new man, this one evolved from a warthog. He eludes Adam and attacks the crowd, taking Ellie and Eddie captive. Hey, Michael. Hey, Dad. We need to record another new trailer. Another one? Yes. You know that we read comics and then talk about comics because, as we've established, talking about comics you've not read is just dumb. Yeah, and you make me do it every Thursday. Well, we've moved. Have we? Yes, we have outgrown our old location. I don't feel like I've moved. And we have now moved to twotruefreaks.com. What was that again? Twotruefreaks.com. Akers Comics, still every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back. Ta-da! It's almost like we never left. I know. Felt like no time passed. So, we're doing issue three of Warlock, like I said, the Apollo Eclipse. What did you think about the cover? I thought um, it was a decent cover, but it feels like a very standard superhero, Bronze Age, you know. I mean, you could have put Spider-Man in here, because it looks like Doc Ock attacking him. Yeah, I was thinking that, like, in the second issue, the series basically shot its load. Right. I mean, they got rid of the man beast. His mission's successful. Everything's happy. I would think you'd want a cover that would shout, don't worry, folks, we're still doing interesting stuff. So you don't want to go anywhere. And I'm not sure this does that. Yeah, I mean, you just replaced Apollo with the uh, Dr. Octopus and the Warlock with Spider-Man. You got a 70s Spider-Man cover. It's kind of like when the second season of Twin Peaks resolved the Laura Palmer murder in like its first handful of episodes, and you'd think they would do something after that that was really interesting and drew you in, but they don't. Yeah, well, that's good as the first season. Yeah. But, um, open up, Adam Warlock makes a great hood ornament. Yeah, yeah, this is what he had to do that was more important than checking out what the Hulk was doing. He had to go on a boat ride. Not just a boat ride. He is standing on the prow of the boat in the storm, being master of all that he surveys. Yes. He does look like a hood ornament here. The head's a little off, too. Yeah, Gil like, Kane is back. Gil Kane is back. Roy Thomas is not. No. It doesn't even say plot by him. No, he is completely gone at this point. We have Mike Friedrich and Gil Kane doing the story and art. And I think Mike pretty much carries the book until just before it ends. Yes, although Roy is the editor, and I believe Roy is also the editor of the Hulk issues that come after this, so I'm assuming he's still involved with it. 
Yeah, my the the picture I've constructed in my head, and this could be completely bullshit because I'm just you know making stuff up as I go. But the picture I have in my head is that Roy Thomas had an idea he wanted to do with the character, and he basically did most of that. And then after a while, he comes back and does the other half of the story, which I don't want to say anything about because we'll spoil it. But you know, if you're doing a Christ allegory, there's one very important part you have to do, and yeah. Roy Thomas comes back and does that later. Yeah, I, I kind of had the impression of, like, the uh, Superman Grounded story from a couple years ago, where JMS left, but left his notes, and let the other guy kind of work with the notes and continue on, do his own spin on it, though. That's kind of the impression I had, is, like, he, was, like, he did his issues, and was like, okay, this is kind of what I thought about the world and Warlock and all that. Work with that. Yeah. And Mike Friedrich did, you know, did it based on that, basically. The story opens, they're on a boat in a storm, and if anyone knows their gospel, there's a very there are a couple of pit stories that this draws uh, parallels with. Um, but I do like that the drama of last issue holds some emotional weight going into this one. Um, yeah, Adam's still bothered by it, right? By his actions, even though they didn't happen, <laughs> he was, was willing to do mind. them. Yeah, he was still willing. He was still thought he did it. So, right, and that's really the important part, right? Yeah. Actually, one other thing I noticed about this, I actually didn't think about it before, but now, because they're saying this is taking place off of Malibu, California. And I'm wondering, what was the reason for make, putting this series in California as opposed to New York? Where I know the reason they did New York for most of their characters is because that's where pretty much everyone lived who worked in Marvel. Because you had to, you know, it, was, it wasn't like now where you could just fax over pages, you know, it was really more convenient to be there physically. So they wrote about the place they lived in. So I'm surprised he still didn't put it in New York City. Instead, he put it in California. I guess even though the characters that we know from the Marvel comics are not present or are not super, still to distance yourself from them, it decreases the expectation. Uh, if he's in New York City, New York City, then you'd expect for him to run into Reed Richards at some point or something like that. And to put him in some other part of the country, he can deal with the story without having that expectation. Also, I think um, some of the culture climate in California is more applicable to the kinds of things that these kids and stuff are doing. Well, that's, that's one thing I was thinking of. It seems like California seemed to be a home for a lot of the hippie movement in the 60s. Right. So that's the best reason I can think of is that he did it because of that. Although, like you said, it may, you know what you said makes sense too. Although it's ironic you read Richard does the example if you've read past this issue. I haven't. <laughs> uh, minor, well, minor spoiler for a few issues from now, but you know. well, I, I do remember that the characters come into play more. I just forget exactly when and how. Yeah, in a few issues, but this, well, there's only a few issues left anyway. Although actually, that'll still work since. Apparently, Fantastic Four was in California before they moved to New York. At least that's been retconned that way. Were they? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. I think it's supposed to be like between the rocket ship and the uh, the mole man mole man event of issue one. They're in California. Or interesting was that was that the season one or what was when was that said? I forget. It might have even been as far back as the John Byrne run. Okay. But I think in the first few issues they say they're like Central City or something. Right. And later on, they say New York. And I, I know somebody, I think John Byrne, but I'm not 100% certain, retconned it being that, no, that was really where they were. 
they were in Central City, California, and then they moved to New York. Interesting. Well, I know when the, scroll, when the second issue, the scroll issue opens up, they're like in a cabin in the woods or something. Yeah. So it's not, it's not exactly a metropolitan locale. I mean, granted, you can go to upstate New York for that, but it also fits with California. Right. I mean, not a huge retcon since the words were actually there. Kind of like a retcon along the lines of Peter David uh, saying the Gray Hulk was a real thing as opposed to what it really was, which was just they changed the coloring because green turns it better. Or those yeah. Get which. You have Adam Warlock getting called up again by the High Evolutionary. And he has some very flowery names for him. Lord of Light and Shaper of Worlds. Yeah. Very deific. Well, yeah. And the High Evolutionary is still very much on, you are my son, flesh of, flesh of my once flesh. And he's getting very egotistical. Yeah. But sons are allowed to question their fathers, especially when they're adults. So, yeah. I revere you, but still I must question. And they get into this huge, big, long argument about motivations and uh, who's right and who's wrong and everything else. It's it's a way to recap what all's gone on so far, but it's also pretty... Um, if you think about this being a conversation between Jesus and God, there are some implications. Yeah, why are you doing this? He says... I'm trying to find a, a quote that I wrote down. Which one? Adam or Five Lucifer? I'm just reading through the... Okay, so in the first panel... So one of the implications is that in the first panel, he says, I revere you, but I must question, I perceive my time is short, and I have much to accomplish here. So knowing that his his mission or whatever has a relatively brief lifespan to it, that's interesting because of where the story goes. Yeah. And it's a good allegory with Christ, who also knew that he had a relatively short time to get stuff done. Yeah, he knew his timetable. It also almost sounds like Adam knows he's getting canceled in a few months. <laughs> I imagine they wouldn't know that now, because this is still a bi-monthly book, right? Yeah. It, I believe it was bi-monthly the entire, the entire eight issues. So this is issue three. Eight is five issues away, so that's ten months away. Yeah, there's no way they had a cancellation plans at this point. Yeah, cause they, if they did, they would have been canceled by four or five then. Yeah. We get a little reminder on the next page that uh, the High Evolutionary slash God is ready to smite everybody on the planet. Oh, yeah, he's itching, too. Why do you hold me to my vow? I can just wipe clean the slate. You swore, Most High One. And I like that because Adam disagrees with him. I see your earthly residence has already painted your once nigh-divine state so that already you doubt my wisdom. You've been spoiled <laughs> by humanity. Although, to be fair, didn't Adam kind of doubt his wisdom when he first met him and first told him he was making a second Earth. <laughs> That's the whole like, reason he came down, right? He's like, no, 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 yeah. you, 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 you don't have to kill everybody, God. You don't yeah. have to destroy them all. Let me, let me go down and see if I can do something. Yeah, but even before that, like, he doubted from the beginning. He's like, wait, why would you make a second Earth? Are you sure it's a good idea? And then once he made it, it's like, no, no, you don't have to kill them. It's like, I've been doubting you every step of the way. What are you talking about? But my favorite part is the High Evolutionary saying, I have patience, even if you do not. Right. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Patience does not mean, I want to do this, let's do it now. Come on, let's do it now. Let's do it now. Patience means there's something that can be done, let's take the time to do it. Which is what Adam's doing. 
That's not what you're doing. Yeah, that's a weird... Yeah, I had, I had the same note. Doesn't he have that backwards? Yeah. And it's not like they maybe misdid the... I mean, unless the letterer really misunderstood how it's supposed to go, because that panel is definitely the high evolutionary speak. Adam's panels, Adam's word panels are word balloons are normal, and the high evolutionaries are like really bold. Oh, yeah, it's very, very clear who's speaking. I mean, it might have been yeah. a mistake in the lettering, but the 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 flow of the conversation, it doesn't seem like it's a mistake in the lettering. Oh, you have reminded me of my promise, and I shall keep it. Farewell, Adam. So now Adam is cosplaying as a rainbow. Yeah, remi- reminding God of his promise. And then he falls back to the boat because. Talking high evolutionary family is very exhausting. Right. Which I can understand for any, just forget the allegory for anyone who's just had an argument with their parents about something. You finish one like throw yourself on the oh. bed and die for a while. Yeah, you're like, oh god, I'm exhausted. So yeah, Adam's passed out, and then we have the submarine underneath with Apollo, who that's a weird look. The red skin, the pink red skin, and the arched eyebrows. I want to say it reminds me. Of, no, not, not Khan. I'm not sure of something from Star Trek though. Um, I can't think of anybody from Star Trek, but yeah, he's definitely. It's very stark, severe look. He has the the Thor wings on his head, and he has the the scale shirt going on, which is. One shade of red slash pink against his other shade of red slash pink skin. He has the arched eyebrows and the ar- eyebrows arching up and the mustache arching down. And it looks like he has the uh, goat the soul pat the soul patch going on as well. Awesome. I mean, a big soul patch, but still. So yeah, he sets up the whirlpool. So from the first page, when I saw them all in the boat together on the water, I was wondering if there would be some allusion to Jesus on the water. I had been expecting like a walking on water type of thing, but on the next page, he calms the storm, which is also a good Jesus reference. Well, and actually, I didn't, I didn't realize that he did calm the storm, so I guess that's a new power. And then he, and then he um, does the whole O ye of little faith. Where does your avowed trust scurry when a crisis dawns? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole, that's right, that's the whole day, the disciples in the boat being all terrified because of the storm, and Jesus walks out to calm them down. We know you've got weird powers, Adam, but you're so weak. Perhaps I cannot, perhaps I can. Yet most of all, I can try. Which does hmm. sound, kind of, kind of sound like the whole mission statement for Adam, this whole thing. You know, maybe he can save the earth, maybe he can't, but he's going to try to do it. Which is pretty cool of him. I mean, that that's a very heroic stance to take. Exactly. Which He's I, not I mean, because he knows he can. As long as we're com- commenting on it in the sense of archetypes and histor- and, uh, and literary figures, I think it's a more, um, more heroic stance than Jesus, who has come down to do a mission. It's a hard mission, but he knows he's going to be able to do it because that was the whole idea in the first place. Yeah. Whereas Adam yeah, Warlock. I, I, I don't really know if this is going to work, but, but I sure as hell am going to try. Yeah, no, I agree. That's definitely a very heroic thing. Cause it's not so, you know, it's one thing to be able to go, well, yeah, I know I can beat these guys. I can know I can do this, so I'm going to do it. Because that's not as heroic because, you know, you have no doubt. You know there's no problem with that. Right. Here, he's not sure he can do, well, this, you know, deal with the store, the whirlpool, or, you know, save counter 
You know, because let's face it, like I said, high evolutionaries itching to blow the sucker up, so he has an uphill battle. Well, I run out of notes for a little while. Um, while he goes down into the water and, and, and attacks the submarine, I don't really have a whole lot to say about all that. I did have one note, though. Something I'm trying to figure out where it was. Because I had a note that Apollo talked about how the man-beast wanted to destroy the Earth. You know, because it was I, Apollo, who saw the fatal flaw in the man-beast plan. The second Earth should be de- not be destroyed, but ruled. But I don't remember the man-beast saying he wanted to destroy the Earth. I thought he wanted to rule it, too. Um, My only thought is maybe it's Apollo twisting the facts around for the rank-and-file new men just so he could, you know, be the best option for leader. My memory is that man-beast goals were destructive, but not in the sense of blowing it up, but more in just the sense of ruining it and spoiling all of the high evolutionary's plans. Okay, that works, actually. That makes sense. That kind of fits with that, too. I don't think he necessarily wanted to um, kill it all or king be a king over it all. I think he just wanted to mess it all up. That's just my memory, though. I don't remember exactly what he said whenever he decided to come, to mess with the um, overnight evolution of man. So that kind of sounds right, because Mandy's goals are mainly just to piss off the evolutionary. Yeah. Yeah, it's really all I wanted to just mess up. To mess with creation, to, to foul it all up. So Adam Warlock goes down and wrestles with the submarine and the tentacles and then comes back up. He kind of wins and makes Apollo run away. Yeah. But then, then he has to get back to the surface to breathe. So I guess he lost the ability to breathe in space. Yeah, he did kind of live in a cocoon for a while, didn't he? In yeah, space. I guess he... Yeah. I, he had it his last life, but I guess in this one he doesn't have it anymore. Well, when you get when you get retconned by the high evolutionary, then you, you lose your ability to breathe in space. Yeah. Apparently this one doesn't have it. I know the next life, when the next time he goes into cocoon and comes back out, he's able to breathe in space. Also when you get retconned by John Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get retconned by John Byrne. A lot of different things happen. Plus, girls show up everywhere. You also learn. You lose the ability to 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 toss planets and breathe in space. And oh, that retcon. Yeah, that's a Superman reference for everybody at home who's playing along. How was it? I went to the Spider-Man retcon first, and not the Superman one. I don't know. I never actually read Chapter One, so I don't. I, I don't. I don't know what to say about that. I had read parts of it. And I read the Hulk one, too. The Hulk chapter one, which is like one annual. There are large gaps in my Spider-Man experience that I want to fill someday, but right now I'm enjoying my Silver Age Superman, Silver Age um, early Marvel stuff, and um, my other reading project right now is 90s post-crisis Superman with some Wildstorm and a, a few other select image titles tossed in for fun. Those are my two main reading projects right now. Now that I've set aside all new comics. Yes. I've heard of those new comics. Hey, whatever makes it more enjoyable. I mean, I'm doing a lot of new comics, but that's also because I'm basically reading at work. Yeah. You know, I'm grabbing a few things and reading them at lunch, so half those things I wouldn't be reading if I wasn't, you know, they weren't there in front of me. And when I made the announcement on the New 52 Adventures of Superman Facebook page that I was kind of putting the show back on the shelf for a while, people were like, wow, if one of the staunchest supporters of Superman New 52 isn't reading him anymore, what does that say? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not saying the books are bad. I'm just saying I my interests are shifting. 
I will eventually start caring about New 52 Superman again, and when that happens, I might start doing the podcast again. But not not today. There's only so much time in the day, and if you're lo- loving something so much more, then make the time for that. And right now, got to say, I'm all about some Star Wars. That's what I remember the Star Wars series. It was like, the ones I read were fun, so. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm reading comics and books and podcasting as I go. <clears throat> the Star Wars SagaCast.com. <clears throat> Oh, that sounds like you have a bad throat thing. Don't worry, I'll edit this whole thing out. <laughs> It'll all be gone. Not really, though. No, don't worry. <laughs> so my next note comes with the introduction of an important character on the military base, and that is Rex Carpenter. Uh, that's pretty much where I come back in. Yeah, page 18. So just to draw the narrative cut through line, they calmed the sea... They took the boat to the military base where the twins' dad is, and they see off in the distance Rex Carpenter, a guy who's running for president. And we're not going to say at all why he's important, just that he's important. Yeah. And also there, because you get the panel to talk, you get to be another be a dick again, is uh, David's father, the senator. Oh, is it David's father that's there? Yes. Oh, both of them, because there's the colonel and the senator. Okay. But he doesn't get as much play, and in fact, he's not as... I mean, it's mainly... The, the characters who are important who are not the kids, who are civilians, are mainly Rex Carpenter and uh, the Colonel. Gotcha. Because Jason's dad is already gone, and I don't think we ever see him again, and David's dad's going to be gone soon, too. I should point out the name of this new character who's running for president is Rex Carpenter. Rex means king, king, and Carpenter was Jesus's profession. So the guy who's running for president on the counter-earth that Warlock is trying to save is a would-be Christ stand-in. Just a little note for where this guy's arc is going in the future. He's a, he's a would-be replacement. I didn't even think, I mean, I knew the name, but I never even thought about that, you know, what the name could have meant. And it does also fit because of what the Fenders call says to him. Calls him a young upstart, builds a builds a phenomenal groundswell with absolutely no political connection. Yeah, I can't see. <laughs> you can talk in English. No, that's a great <laughs> line too. We feel English, that impossible. <laughs> Let me try that again. Young upstart builds a phenomenal groundswell with absolutely no political political connection. Very regular and quite unfortunate, my my dad. Which kind of sounds like Jesus. He became very popular without going through the normal political route. Right, right. You know, he kind of went up to uh, a grassroots way, so to speak. Which is what it sounds like they're saying Rex Carpenter did. He didn't go through the regular political channel. He didn't join one of the main parties. Interesting. At the bottom, he meets Adam Warlock. And... um Rex Carpenter says, I sense our destinies may someday mingle, which is an interesting line. But the thing I had a note about was Adam Warlock's response, which is perhaps, though I have little dealings with politicians. And I'm thinking little dealings with politicians as in none at all since you just got here a few weeks ago and have been hanging out in the desert for most of that. I mean, yeah, or (laughs) as in you have no interest be fair, Adam, you could say that about any profession. Unless it's dropout hippies, you have little dealings with anybody. Right, right. 
I've had dealings with prophets who, you know, who are actually, you know, evil new men in disguise. Does that count? <laughs> I deal with them, but you know, really, not much else beyond that. Why? There are other people. There are other people in the world, really. And I'm always amused in this book when, because he's the only superhuman character, or you know, besides the evil new man. I mean, the only one people are really seeing. That no one is making a comment on. You have gold skin. I mean, this is well before Jersey Shore, so you know there was no Snooky. <laughs> it is we interesting how that. how how rarely his appearance gets commented upon. Yeah, I mean, this Carpenter doesn't. I mean, maybe he's just like. Despite what they're saying, maybe he's still the perfect politician. He's like, I ain't got to say anything because he might vote for me. But no one says a word. The next page, there is a, a missile that goes up. What is it? The submarine launches out of the sea to go after it? Yes. It flies up. It's now a ship. And Adam Warlock recognizes it instantly. And with, and with that knowledge comes power. Naked native power. I love the power of naked natives. It's the best power ever. You still have I watched a lot of National Geographic when I was a kid. I was going to say. <laughs> I grew up that time period in early 80s, too. I remember National Geographic. They're naked. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so he flies off after the rocket to, well, the rocket's been destroyed. He flies off after the flying submarine. And, oh, I just want to say real quick, because you don't have, like you, you said before, your scan is just the issue. It doesn't have an ad or anything. Mm-hmm. But there's an ad here for pet baby raccoons. Pet baby <laughs> raccoons? One of America's favorite pets has always been, and still is, easy to care for. So we have live reptiles, live sea monkeys, live regular monkeys, and now live raccoons. Yeah. Wow. You know, you ever see that commercial for glasses and the woman, like, is calling, you think she's calling a cat in, and the raccoon comes in, she's like, come on, come sleep in bed with mama. And the raccoon sleeps on the bed with her? No, but I believe you. The implication would be that she can't see, and she doesn't realize it's a raccoon, not her cat. But I'm wondering if, no, really, she read one of these comics when she was a kid, and she got a pet baby raccoon. Interesting. Interesting. Well, speaking of animals, anyway, yeah, <laughs> that just I, I just had to because that just yeah. no, no, no. It's but I love the ads from these old from these old comics. I just don't have that particular one in front of me. Um, Apollo makes a comment about how I must demonstrate more how I deserve such near divine treatment by eclipsing Earth's still heralded champion and doing it with the fury of the sun god for whom I am named. And at the bottom, he says, with Warlock's defeat, I will leave my mammal-soiled origins and assume my rightful place among the gods. And I just w- was wondering what animal he came from. All this could be true. I mean, we find out at the end of the story, but as I was reading it through, I was like, wow. So he's been named for a sun god, and he hates his mammal origins. What, what was he? How did he get here? He certainly looks more human than any other new man we've seen so far. Yeah, except the skin, he looks completely normal. And yeah. Fair, humans are mammals, so. <laughs> you know, he could have just talked <laughs> yes, about that, yes, too. He could have just been talking about that. 
But yeah, that was, I mean, from the first point where I saw him, where you saw he was one of the new men and followed the man beast, I was trying to figure out what was he because he's very normal looking. You know, I was like, did they, did the man beast, like, was he perfecting his, you know, way of, you know, evolving them to the point where they wouldn't even look like the animal they came from? I mean, it ends up being something different, but that's what I was wondering at first. You know, maybe like he was evolved from a pig and that's all that's left is just the skin. And it turns out that that's what it is. He comes from a warthog. Yeah, and, oh, that's, uh, that's right, yeah, so that's cool. I was close then, Michael Well, one thing we have learned from the story is that skin color doesn't matter. Whether you're orange or pink, it it, it really doesn't matter. Wait a second, what is happening to Adam Warlock's arm on that page? Okay, the page where he and Apollo are, like, duking it out, the first page where that happens, the, the top panel? panel? It's very distorted. His right arm has, like, been disconnected and is floating out beside him almost. It looks like the arm's been detached, like was cut off, and it's just starting to float away. Yeah, and it's even a bit too long on the next the next panel. His uh, his upper arm is a bit too lengthy there. Too big, yeah. But at the same time, the leg is foreshortened very well, and the the perspective, uh, the camera perspective of the figures are really well done for the most part. Yeah, but that is a. Because it's well, I mean, the issue still came good, so it's, it's usually well done, but that's why that one thing stands out so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're doing something horrible every page, you know, it doesn't really stand out. You're like, oh, there's another one. But when it, you have something good, and then all of a sudden there's a bad panel, you're like, what the hell is that? But yeah, so Warlock and Apollo fight. I'm curious how the, because we, we see him turn into a warthog. And it's not through the power of the of the gem this time. No, it's it's basically he dropped his disguise. Because, but in shedding my mind-based disguise, I re- regained touch with my innate animal power. So some, you know, I was somewhat right. I mean, the man beast wasn't doing, you know, hadn't perfected his evolving technique to where they looked human, but apparently he was able to give him abilities beyond what he physically would have. Yeah, because it like, says that um, the fight has uh, crumbled Apollo's confidence. His blood pounds fiercely. His breath snorts savagely. Great mental pressure builds up within the breast of this once beast who would be a god, builds until it explodes. And what appeared a man grasping out for divinity resumes its true form of a monster in the shape of humanity. So he had basically mentally affected his own form, mentally reshaped himself, which is which is pretty powerful stuff if you think about it. So I guess the man beast must have been doing must have been experimenting with how he did this because no one else has that ability. No. But it's kind of confusing if he had put so much effort and power into Apollo, how come we haven't seen him until now? How come Serpentor, or whatever his name was, was the yeah. uh, lieutenant for so long? Oh, well, well, because Apollo disagrees with, with Man Beast, and then he's going to have to do his own thing. Yeah. And plus, uh, he also can fly, too. Because, I mean, other new men have been able to fly, but for the most part, I can see, with maybe the exception of the Man Beast, who we knew had mental powers, the only ones I remember seeing fly were the ones who were, like, changed from birds, like, you know, Hawk and Pinjong. You know, they flew, but I don't remember seeing other men be, you know, other uh, new men fly. And he seems to be getting more and more bestial with each panel. 
Like if, yeah, it's if like you he's just, doing a transformation. Yeah, if you just scroll through and look at his appearance in each panel, he seems to be getting more Warthog-like. In the top of the uh, next to the last page, he's he's lost a lot of his leg length, and if, in the middle, he seems to have gotten bigger ears and more uh, more mohawk because Warhogs yeah. always have mohawks. Every fan of the Nintrals cartoon in the '80s knows that Warhogs yeah. have mohawks. And the nose is getting more upturned. Yeah. And so by the time you get to the final page with the cliffhanger, this guy looks looks like a, a, a hulking monster and nothing at all resembling the, the Greek um, idealized oh, form. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's pretty impressive mental power then. Yeah, yeah. Did Colonel Roberts die? Because it looks like you he might have died right there. No. Yeah. No? Okay. No, he's, he'll be back. As of now, no one's dead. All right. Well, whenever whenever Apollo attacks him, it looks like he might be dying there, but I guess not. Yeah, he just gave him a bitch slap. And then cliffhanger! Dun-dun-dun. Yes, he's taking Ellie and Eddie hostage. Picking the dude up by his hair, that's harsh. That's harsh, yeah. At least Ellie gets held by her whole body, but he gets the hair. Well, you know, Apollo likes to wrap his mitt around the female form. Understandable. Understandable. Oh, he's a cute girl. I can understand him. You know, he digs her. He likes all the freckles. Picking him by, by his hair, though, reminds me of that one scene in one of the Saw movies, but I'm not going to recount it. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Actually, I haven't. Okay, well. But I can imagine. <laughs> but I can imagine. And so Adam Warlock has to choose which victim... Either the victims be these or you. I would make a sacrifice. Choose, Warlock, choose. And just in case you were wondering, next issue is the choice. Dun, dun, dun. So we'll find out next issue what he picks. Unexpected surprises. But yeah, I have to say, now, I mean, while the cover, like we said, was pretty standard. You know, standard Bronze Age Marvel. You know, wasn't bad, just standard. I did like what Mike did with this, my favorite did with this issue. You know, the story, like we said before, was pretty much done. The man beast was beaten. I mean, you could have ended it right there. Right. You know, Warlock could have ended with Warlock too. Like I, I think, I, like I said in that issue, it was episode. It was like a four issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. And it was tied up nice and neat and ended. So it could have been ended. But I think he, you know, he found a way to make it go somewhere. And I, I like the the, uh, the Apollo thing turning into this, you know, Warthog guy. And Mike Friedrich continued the concept of the book with the uh, um, using the allegories of the Christian narrative and continuing to explore the concepts of Christ and God and how all that works together. I mean, you and I aren't going into a whole lot of detail on, like, the meaning behind everything as far as, like, we're not doing exposition on the theology. We're just pointing out the parallels where they happen. I think part of that is because everybody has their own view on those things. Yeah. We're not here to say, oh, and then the, 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 you know, God must be this way because the book says it, but more just like, this is what the book is saying about it, and this is how the parallels are appearing. I guess all that to say is that we're not trying to, to say that this is how we feel about religion because the book says it, but just the book is saying these things about religion. 
which is actually a point of uh, there's a letter a letter on the pages from basically somebody uh, Henry Farrow in Glendale, New York, who basically was initially angry about Warlock Number One. Okay. He said you were treading on what I thought I had considered sacred ground, and it seemed as though you were making light of it. So he initially was angry, but he said, but then I asked myself, why am I angry? This is merely a 20 cent comic book, and it hardly seemed to threaten my Christianity. After a while, I realized the reason I reacted so strongly was that you had hit my Achilles heel. You had touched on an aspect of my life that wasn't really as secure as I thought. In short, by proposing a different idea, radically different, that what I had accepted as true, you forced me to defend mine. You made my philosophy seem a little less dogmatic. This hurt, and one of the main reactions to pain is anger. So, I like, I mean, there's more than email, but I like this. Basically, there's somebody saying, you anger me at first about something, but then I actually thought about what it was that made me angry, and it was the fact that you're making me think about it. So he's like, so good for you, make me think. You know, give me something to think about. Yeah. So I, I thought that was, a, I just like that letter. I like when somebody can say, and he's not saying his original, it's not that he's saying, you changed my mind and what I originally said was wrong, you know, thought was wrong, nor is he saying, you are all wrong still, though, and I was right originally. He's just pointing out the fact that you made me try and think about what it is I'm actually believing or what it is I'm saying I believe. And, you know, good for you for doing that, you know. Let me, th- you know, right. give me a chance to think about things. I like that. I, I'm proud of this guy. I'm like, this is a good letter. Yeah, yeah. I like it, too. It, it, it's always interesting to hear how people at the time received something, because we can make some suppositions based on knowledge and guesswork, but it's always cool to hear how things were received, especially when you have something that's so potentially controversial as this, controversial as this book is. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't more controversy about it at the time. And there may have been that just didn't get printed. Maybe they maybe they were careful about what kind of party they wanted to have in the letters column, you know? Because mm. if, they, if they print certain kinds of letters on a regular basis, then you open up the doors to a whole bunch of debate and discussion that might get more heated and go in some directions they just didn't want to have to deal with in their answers. Oh, true. But I'm I, I also thinking about just outside of the letter page. Like, the fact that a comic book was, you know, dealing with religion this way. But I'm just wondering if maybe it was just the fact that it was a lower-tier, probably lower-print-run book. So it probably just was, it was only noticed by the people who were reading it, probably not so much as the outside, as opposed to, let's say, if they did this in Spider-Man. Right. You know, there probably would have been articles and, you know, newspapers about it. I mean, it would have been known, because I know, like, for instance, when they did the uh, drug issues of Amazing Spider-Man, when they didn't use the comic code, that was a big thing. You know, there was talk outside of just the letters pages about it. Right. But this thing got nothing, you know, as far as I know, didn't really get anything. But I'm assuming probably it was just because, you know, no one was paying attention. Could be, could be. Because you, you can take chances with your lower, lower tier books. You can take chances that you might not take elsewhere just because you don't have to defend the brand. You don't have to worry about as many people reading it. I think that's part of why um, whenever Jack Kirby wanted to do his big fourth gods fourth world new god saga the dc editorial said okay here's jimmy olsen exactly there because no one cared right and if it's a flop then it's not that big of a loss and if it's if it's not then we can spin it yeah and if it's not then it probably will help the book because the book probably needed help at the time as it was <laughs> I, I will olsen. say i love that jimmy olsen, i love that jimmy olsen run 
Like you guys make Jimmy Olsen cool. I have not yet read it. It's an, it's, it's 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 of course on the list because I'm reading through everything Superman. But yeah. um, I, I love those Jimmy Olsen issues. I am the the um, the Legion and the Fourth World New Gods are two what I consider spinoffs of Superman that I really haven't read much of that, that I'm looking forward to reading with the Legion. I've already gotten to the very early days of it. Cause I'm, I'm at that point in the sixties, but it's just one of those eras of DC history that I'm looking forward to getting more into. Yeah. Cause right now where you are, then I think it's still the point where the Legion's just very sporadic. It's very much just the Superboy or Supergirl. Well, let's have him meet the Legion for one, for a story. And then we won't use him for six months. I have just gotten past that to the actual monthly run in adventure comics. So, um, but I'm just in the very, very early days. I've read, like, I don't know, three issues of that monthly run. Oh, so you're past 300. Yeah, just past So it's like that. 301, 302. Okay, yeah. Right. So, yeah, they're just starting to do actually do stories with them. It's like, oh, wait, we're actually doing these each month. But it was really popular, and it took off really quickly. And um, before long, uh, Superboy was a second stringer in his own book. Yeah. He was... Um, it took over. Instead of being the lead strip in adventure comics with other stuff in the background he was the set he was the background strip behind the legion and then before too much longer it wasn't even that they were just printing superboy reprints behind the legion comic and avenger adventure comics so um it did not take long for him to lose that book once the legion came in no i love the legion they're actually my only book right now that um i hope when they're granted they're not out right now but the only book that i get actually that i just get because it's the Legion, I said everything else I go by, what story's happening or who's doing it or whatever. Does that mean you're going to be getting the uh, Justice League United annual that just got solicited? And the six issues of Justice League United that they're going to be in. Ooh. Yeah, they're going to be in the, uh, the is it the annual or is it the uh, Future's End-ish uh, one shot? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I want to say it's the annual, but I only played cursory attention because I'm not reading it anymore. Yeah, I know Jeff Lemire has like a two-part story with them and an issue with Justice League, but I'm not sure if it's the annuals or if it's the, uh, the future then one shot in September, and then they're actually going to be in like five or six issues of the book itself. It might be all of that, because th- yeah, no, there, there, there's more than one writer who's using this uh, five years later future Zen thing as an excuse to jumpstart stories. But yeah, no, they're the only ones I, where I just read them because it's the Legion, as opposed to everything else where I go by, you know, if I'm buying it, I go by well. Who's doing it? What's going on? You know, do I want to, you know, I don't just buy that character anymore. Gotcha. Because there's, you just, there's not, I have too little budget and too much, you know, bad stuff to risk. Too, too, too much of a history of swings and misses. Exactly. I mean, come on, I mean, as much as, you know, you might like certain characters, I mean, you've read how many years? And now you know it goes up and down, up and down. Yeah. You know, there's characters you're like, this is great, and then you're like, what the hell? Yeah. And so that's why I read people like, you know, those ongoing ones, you know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. I jump back and forth on those. Because I'm like, all right, I'm not enjoying it anymore. I'll come back and be, I'll check them out in a year or two. Or, you know, if I hear some of these on it, and I'll see what's going on then. The Legion's the only thing that I'll still just, if the Legion's there, I'll buy it. Not that this is a DC Comics podcast, but hey, it's fun to talk about random comic crap. On the bottom of the letters page, we have the hollowed ranks of Marveldom. Oh, this was fun. Yeah, if you've ever read these old Marvel comics from the Bronze Age, they gave you rankings. 
so you know how you stood compared to other Marvel Comics fans. So I want okay, to see what so, we so what, what were the ranks like? I forget how they all lined up. Yeah, there's only six of them. There's the RFO, the real frantic one, a buyer of at least three Marvel mags a month. Okay, so that, that's been that. me. At, at, at multiple points in my life, I've been that guy. I've been that guy, too. I think that's the, wait, Hawkeye, original thing, and I think this one they Hawkeye hey, I count that. I know the theories. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I'm depressed. But the other part of me goes, oh, good, that means, you know, Budget I can afford this other thing now. Exactly. So we've opened that. There's the TTB, the Titanic True Believer, a divinely inspired no prize winner. I have not won a no prize. I have not won a no prize. Okay, so we're not that. There's the QNF, the Quite Nuff Sayer, a fortunate frantic one who's had a letter printed. I have had multiple letters printed. Okay, you are one of those, and I am not still. My first letter that I got printed, I wrote in a random question. I had just started up my uh, Amazing Spider-Man Classics podcast, and I had a random question about early Spider-Man history, and I wrote in an email to the Spidey office just to say, hey, anybody there know this? Just by chance? And they forwarded my email to Stan the Man. That's cool. It was so cool. And um, they printed both my question and his response in the letters column. What issue? Do you know? I don't. (laughs) It would have been early... uh, When was that? 2010? So... It would have been amazing at least then. It would have been amazing... And I guess that puts it, like, in the depth of the era between Brand New Day and Big Time. Somewhere in, I, I just don't know when in that era it was. I've not had any letter printed. I sent a few in, but I've never had any printed, much less had uh, Stan Lee respond to it. If you can um, grab a number one off the shelf that day and, and jot off a, your thoughts on it, then you're probably, that, that's gotten me printed like two or three times. I've I've written a review of a number one issue the night that it came out and sent it in on the email, and it's been in the letters column. So that's one tip. (laughs) There you go, people. Because, after all, who doesn't want to be a Q&A? All right, so so far you're beating me by two to one. So what else do we have? We have the KOF, the Keeper of the Flame, one who recruits the newcomer to Marvel's Wild Kingdom Ranks. I've done that. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah, I've had I've had a friend that I got reading comics, and I also, you know, gave my comics to my brother, younger brothers, and they started reading stuff. I created life and turned them into comic books fans. My children. Okay, we have, we have to we have to talk about topic. Let's <laughs> talk about what? Top every you can about topic. You just can't be a topper and top every story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gave stuff to my brothers. I created life and gave that stuff me. I'm a father. I've had children. I just like sounded like a pretentious asshole sometimes. <laughs> I'm not really one. I'm a really nice guy. But <laughs> He's so nice his daughter ran away to another state. Uh yeah. 
Yeah, she's <laughs> she's flown away to Texas this week. She'll be back when she gets hungry. When she gets hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to feed her. Hopefully she's getting fed wherever she is, but you know, you never know. Yeah, she's young. She'll rebound back eventually. And if she doesn't, that's just one fewer mouth to feed. There you go. Yeah. You got a growing boy. He's gonna start he's gonna start eating out of house and home in a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I, I remember those years myself. A gallon of milk a day between me and my brother. Yeah, I have two brothers. And we're like just like five, six years apart. So like you know, I'm finishing high school and the next one's starting high school and the one after that it was like two years away. My poor parents. <laughs> I remember my brother still taking a gallon of ice cream out and just sitting down with that watching T V and just eating out of the thing and pretty much finishing it off. Right. Yeah, so yeah, you you know, you get rid of the daughter. Well, actually I would say it was fun that she might eat more, but She's already gone. What the hell? <laughs> and um, was there a sixth she's, one? She's gonna kill me. Uh, there's two more. That was number four. We have the PMM, the Permanent Marvelite Maximus. Anyone possessing all four of the other titles? Oh, so we can't be that because we both you have not won a no prize, and I have not won a no prize or been uh, letter work printed. Gotcha. And okay, so if that's the, 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 I thought the la, I thought that was the last one. No, there's, so there's one, one more. There's the S F F, the fearless face fronter. Sorry, the fearless front front facer. Either way. Okay. An honorary, an honorary title bestowed for devotion to Marvel above and beyond the call of duty. Well, that seems kind of random. Yeah. How do you get that? I don't know. I'm going to go on a limb and say, if you've done a podcast based on a Marvel Comics character or book, that counts. Okay. You so both win. Two. Yeah, you've done at least, you know, this one and you've done at least one or two others, so you're good. So am I. Yes. So, okay, good. I have three of them. That's not bad. We just need some no prizes. Well, you got a no prize, you got the pri- you got everything. Well, if you get a no prize, it's because you will have written a letter in and gotten printed, so you'll get there, too. True. But, yeah, you're just a no prize away from having you know, having it all. Well, it, it was interesting to see, because I read a lot of the letters in these comics when I can, and people really cared about getting these titles. Like, they're all like, please just give me the no prize, because then I'll have all of the ranks, blah, 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 blah. I guess in the day without lolcats, this was the kind of entertainment people had. <laughs> so it was lolcats or no prizes. Right. <laughs> well, you know. One or the other. All right, I think we've sucked it, this issue dry. It was a good one, though. Yeah, no, I enjoyed this. The if it wasn't story, great, it was at least better than expected. Yeah. Because, like I said, after ending the story, more or less, you're like, well, what are they going to do now? They did pretty well. Yeah. I I am... Now that we've gotten to this point, though, I'm kind of anxious to see the wrap-up of this part of the series and the transition to Jim Starlin. Because the wrap-up of this series, I feel like, has some good things to say. And then Jim Starlin takes this metaphor and does something else completely different with it. And I'm looking forward to just being able to say those thoughts and get them out there. Oh, you mean when he drop kicks it? <laughs> and, yeah, there's 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 good stuff coming. But but 
We can't talk about that yet because we haven't gotten there. Yeah. But I'm anxious to. No, we'll get there. All right. Well, if you like the theory about this issue too and want to read it yourself and don't have a copy of Warlock number three, you can still find this in, reprinted in the Essential Warlock Volume 3, the Marvel Masterworks Warlock Hardcover Volume 1, and you can also find it digitally on the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited website and app, which is normally how I read my Warlock comics, but this one I actually have. In 1939, Timely Comics published its first issues. It later changed its name, first to Atlas Comics and then to Marvel Comics. In 2014, Marvel polled its fans asking for the 75 greatest Marvel stories from those 75 years and published that list in print form. The unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels countdown will walk through all 75 of these stories every Wednesday from December 31, 2014 to June 1, 2016. Join me, Blaine Dowler, and a cadre of other hosts, including established podcasting greats and emerging talents, as we run through the list, discuss each story in the context of its original release, and determine just what makes it so great. The unofficial 75 Greatest Marvels Countdown can be found at Bureau42.com, on iTunes, and on Stitcher. And I was at Universal office. Studios. Was it Universal Studios or was it Disney World? I've, I've been to both of them. I guess it was Universal Studios. In, 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 no, but anyways, I um, saw a copy of the Marvel uh, Essential of Adam Warlock, and I almost bought it. But I had them all in other forms, and so I, I decided I couldn't justify the expense of money and space that would be required for that purchase. Yeah, I know the feeling. I have a couple of the original issues. I don't have number four, but I know I have like five and six. But yeah, between the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited and the original issues I have, I, you know, it'd be nice to have the nice big Warlock, you know, just one shot. But I already have them. Well, it's just with comics, you, you not only have to pay the money for them, but you also have to store them. Exactly. And I don't know about you, but I'm still in apartment life. <laughs> There's only so much space to go around. I'm in a one bedroom. Okay, okay. So you know, you know, you know the pain. Yeah, that's why that's why I record when I record because I'm trying to record it when she's not home, or I do it if, if it's just me. Really, I do it at night when she's my fiance sleeping because what am I gonna do? Tell her, you know, sit here, be quiet, <laughs> go to the bedroom. I mean, there's really no uh, you know, really the other place she can go is the bedroom or the bathroom. You know, it's not like I have a quiet, I have a separate room I can go shut the door and be in for two hours to do this. So yeah, no, and there, there's only a limited amount of space. So yeah, that's like digital saves my butt a lot. Well, I, this has been fun. Yep, we actually have one more thing. There's one more thing real quick, and then we'll, we'll do the closing up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam's Friends. Because last issue, last episode, we did the Fantastic Four, because that's when we covered Incredible Hulk 158. And that comes out the same month as Warlock number three. Right. So. This so what's Thor been up to this month? So this one's Thor 206, Rebirth, by Gary Conway and John Buscema. The Thunder God's Greatest Fight. The Absorbing Man Strikes Again. All this in some of the most mind-boggling artwork ever. Because I had the original issue, so I was actually able to get the description from the bullpen bulletin. Nice. As opposed to normally where I just look to find a description online of what the issue was. 
this time I actually had the bullpen bulletin, so that's what they that's what they had to sell you on this issue. Although between you and me, I don't actually like mind boggling art. Unless they mean in the sense of it's so amazing it'll boggle your mind. But sometimes you get art that just like boggles your mind because you can't read it. In a bad way. You're like, what? What? <laughs> I don't know, maybe like MC Escher just, you know, get thinks John Buscema or something. Who knows? Could be. Could be. But yeah, that's, we're at the ending now, people, because, I mean, really, there wasn't many in the new powers, and we actually discussed those in the notes. There's, you know, they're not breathing in space anymore, or I guess they needing to breathe, and also being able to control storms. Not storm. That's a whole different story. That's a whole different person. She doesn't even exist yet. Oh, she doesn't. That's right. We are early 70s. This is 72. Giant Pies was like 75. That's right. Uh, I got a copy of the un- of the Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1 and 2 for my birthday, so I've been reading those. So Storm and Wolverine and all the early um, Claremont stuff has been in my brain. Yeah, that's actually another example of uh, books where, that they weren't expecting much from, so they leave you alone. Right. And they're just like, yeah, do whatever you want. And he did. Star Wars was another. Um, No one wanted the job of editing it whenever Roy Thomas brought it on. So he's like, okay, I'll edit it. I'll write it. I'll edit it. I'll do everything. You just publish it. Like, okay. Uh, The 70s of their writer-editors. Yep. I'm in charge of myself. It's one. It's 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 not a bad job <laughs> to be able to be our own boss. No, I have to admit. Well, at least you're kind of schizophrenic if you start arguing with yourself. That might be bad. You might have other issues at that point, though. Probably. So, other things that I do on the internet besides Warlock are um, I have. Well, okay, this is December, so I have one. Endeavor that is currently active and live and real. And that is my show with my daughter called Avengers Inspirations. We started it last year. We kind of got sidetracked over the summer of 14, but it's definitely back in full swing every week. And we are nearing the debut of the Avengers number one. What she and I do on there is just talk about um, Avengers and Avengers-related comics um, issue by issue, usually one or two books an episode. And the, the, the premise is if the character is on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, then we're going to talk about the comics that they are from, talk about the inspirations for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that is going strong, and it's over at the comic – no – it's over at the Complete Marble Reading Order website, cmro.travis-starns.com. So, Lily and I would love for you to come give a listen to that. Go check it out. It's worth checking out. Please come listen. Send me emails. I, I, I live off the emails. And, of course, if you found this episode somehow randomly, we're on iTunes. And you can also go to the Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. I put up links to the episodes there, as well as images from the issues when I can find them, and little random comments or notes about the show. So if you want to know what's going on with the show, you can check it out there. And John, is there anyone else we can hear? Is there anyone else I can hear you right now, or is that it? Um, right now, that's basically it. I have some other shows that are shelved that I will eventually get back to whenever the interest strikes again. Uh, you can also hear me in a couple places, actually, now for once. Uh, Four Color Fanboys, where me and Brian Azino talk about whatever comic-related stuff pops in our little brains, at fourcolor.pawits.com. 
And you can also check me out on Podrec, which is on buckonstuff.com, where we just talk about everything. And usually not safe for work, and generally not safe for anyone with an IQ over 20. IQs over 20 are a good thing. Yeah. But it's not safe for people like that. Yeah. To turn your brain off that show. <laughs> the best kind. Yes. But thank you for joining us, John. You going to come back for issue four? Uh, it, it, it's on my calendar, so have your people call my people. Got it. I got to start paying my people, I think. <laughs> Trying to revolt. Damn you got to start treating them right. Well, no, you don't have to start treating them right as long as you pay them. You just can't do both. You can't not pay them and treat them wrong. No. Then they get, then they get cranked. You never say thank you. That's what the money's for. Oh, here come the pitchforks. <laughs> ah, crap. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, Bye. everyone. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast, is a fan-made production, and this fan makes no profit off of it, nor does it infringe or attempt to infringe on any trademark or copyright held by Marvel, DC, Image, Valiant, First, Vertoic, Antarctic, or pretty much anyone else. Hear you. So now, can I hear you? How about now? Okay. Better. You're fine. I just gotta get my headset. How about now? Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Have to turn you up pretty loud to hear you. I don't know why, but. Oh, that's weird. I mean, I'm, I'm actually talking right into the microphone. Okay. Well, as long as it sounds good on your end. <laughs> Hope so. When um, when is this episode due to come out? This one will be out in a few months, actually. This is October. Right. I'm just looking to see if I... Because I have my Star Wars show scheduled out pretty far. As far as planning goes. Well, yeah. So I can actually talk about what's going to be coming out in October, if I know what part of October. Do you know what part of October? I can let you know in a second. Hold on. I did my own plan, and then one day I got bored, and I was sitting there, and I realized, okay, I think we're near issue 100 now. We could stop. Yeah. Let's actually get to 25, and then we'll worry about the next 25. It's fun to organize, though. I don't know. If your brain works at all like I do, putting the puzzle pieces together and seeing how it all is going to work out is, is kind of fun. 
oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, which issue goes here, and this one goes here then, and, oh, how about, oh, now we're up to Infinity Gauntlet. Well, what about all these issues without Adam? You know, maybe we do, like, a short thing on each of those. Right. And you're like, oh, this is going to be the anniversary issue, you know, the 50th and the 100th, uh, not uh, the episodes, the 50th episode and 100th episode, what gets to be cool then. Yeah. And the 50 actually works out well. It's when he comes back in Silver Surfer, right before ah. Infinity Gauntlet, when you first see him. But I like, so that'd be 50. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But now I'm looking at 100. I'm like, Silver Stable, number five. <laughs> can, can, can we move some things around and get this different? <laughs> On the other hand, that could be kind of amusing. Episode oh, yeah, it could be. To celebrate this momentous occasion, we have Silver Sable number five. It's like, what? Uh, this one, this is Warlock 3, so yeah, this will be the second half of October. Okay. The Hulk issue with the first half is the second half. Okay. Um, then I'll be, August okay. and September will be the, uh, the Thanos issues, the first Thanos, the annual, and the original VOGN, and then... Mid-September is when I'm getting married, so my brother's coming over in in August, and we're going to do an episode on the uh, Warlock appearance in the Silver Surfer TV show. Nice. Because that way it's something that... I I wanted to plan something for that time where it didn't matter where... You know, had nothing to do with the run. I could just plug it in there. Because I probably won't have time to do anything around that, that date. Well, I, I'll, be, I'll confess, I meant to go back and re-look at the issue before we recorded. I didn't do that because I was playing 2048. And um, so I have my notes, but I might have to pause and say, what was I talking about? That's but you're right. good at editing out that crap, so. Yeah, that's all right. I was actually going to redo it myself the other day, but I ended up, uh, because of what I'm doing at work now, I end up playing with Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. Because I'm running the Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, we're starting at work, and I'm helping with the person doing the Pokemon tournament. What do you do again? I work at a hobby store, and I'm the comic department manager. Oh, you have the dream job. That's so right. I I order the com- so I order comics. You know, I I order the comics and I do the reorder and I deal with the reserves and I'm also you know help out in the retail store. So I'm also doing whatever else I need in retail, and we're trying to bring people in by doing a events, so we're trying to branch out. Magic is doing really well. We have that like almost every Friday. So I started on the Friday that we don't have Magic, I started doing a comic book trivia night. Good, good, good. So for now, like I said, I got to play with Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! I mean, I can't complain about that. (laughs) I mean, I've never had an interest in playing them before, but hey, I'm going to get paid to do it. What the hell? My fascination with the Pokemon video game has, has, has perished, much to my son's chagrin. Because he's not quite old enough to do it all by himself, so and I've, I haven't wanted to do it with him because it, I, I'm kind of bored with it. Um, but I, I read the first, I showed him the Transformers cartoon recently because I was watching the Transformers movie because the the fourth one came out and I really wanted to see it, so I was rewatching the first one. And you know he liked some of the the Transforming robot scenes, so I showed him the cartoon. And he seemed to like that. So I pulled down the first issue of the Marvel Comics series because I read that whole Marvel Comics series about 10, 12 years ago and really enjoyed it. So I was looking forward to getting back into it. And, man, it was so much fun to get into that book last night. Um, I'm not sure how much Keenan enjoyed it because it is so wordy. Yeah, I was constantly I skimming and paraphrasing to kind of, you know, keep things on his level. Yeah, he was like four. He's, he's five and a half. Okay. 
Um, he's going into kindergarten this fall. Um, for better or for worse, we no longer live in an era where you can read Charles Dickens to a child and he'll, you know, pay attention because that's the best entertainment level he has. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, it, he's like, I have all these other things. I can go play. He can play with things like Plan for Zombies. He's like, yeah, I can do this instead. Right. So, but it was fun, and he re- he related stuff he saw to the movie. He's whenever um the uh, Decepticons attack Bumblebee, and Bumblebee goes off to get helped by the kid. He's like, that was in the movie. The kid and his dad with the with the car. Yeah, the and Michael Bay like, movie, yeah. right? The live action. The live action one, yeah. Okay. And um, so, yeah, it was really, really neat because his little brain was putting it all together. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, I like that first one. The second and third were just kind of were disappointing. The second more than the third, but... Yeah, the first one, I mean, as much as the franchise gets crap, and I have heard people crap on the first one, and if you don't like the first one, you, there's no hope for you with the others. Oh, yeah. But the first one has some really great moments. It is funny. It yeah. is... It is... It is... Full of stupid, goofy, but really enjoyable humor. Oh and, yeah, um, the dog peeing on him. Yeah, and the uh, the they black really... hacker guy, the, the like overweight hacker guy, and um, oh, eating all the donuts. Yeah, I ate the whole plate. I ate the whole plate. And uh, just a minute. Then he gets the sugar rush. There's just lots and lots of funny stuff. Um, my daughter refuses to see the Transformers movie with me, though. She's like, I draw the line, Dad. I was like, when did you get old enough to start drawing lines? You're yeah. supposed to go and see everything that I tell you to go see because I'm your dad and I'm educating you. Yeah. I know. I, I, I wasn't going to see the fourth one because after the, after the third one being better than the second, I thought, but not that great. I'll... The um, The fact that the 20-odd episode season was not a universal standard was a big eye-opener when I first found out. Oh, yeah, the fact that, like, they'll show that are just, you know, six episodes and we're done. Yeah. And that that's yeah, normal. I, yeah, like, I remember when I was a kid, um, my mom showed me on PBS, and I loved it, a few episodes of uh, Faulty Towers. Love Faulty Towers, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. And I went back, eventually saw the episodes, but it was really shocking to me when this huge show, like, it was huge. You know, it was all critically acclaimed. People loved it. Had good ratings, from what I understood. But it was twelve episodes, two seasons, like four years apart. And there are like, only twelve episodes what? of that show. Yep, two six episode seasons, and that's it. Wow, I did not know one that. One in seventy, one in seventy five, one in seventy nine. Wow. And I'm like, whoa. I'm like I, that could never happen. Here, you know, we, no. Even now, like, would they be like, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> like, I want to do six episodes, great, and then I'm going to do season two. I don't know, whatever I feel like it. You know, whatever I feel like, I actually have scripts for it. Maybe next year, year after. Yeah, there's that too. That like the season frequency is is by no means a guaranteed thing. The fact that you would have, if, even if you got renewed or you had a second season, the fact that it would be the next year. That there, there's no rule that says that. Yeah, Doctor Who seems to be, like, one of the few exceptions to that, sort of. Right, and that might be because they know they're playing to international markets. Exactly. (coughs) And I'm sure selling in America is bringing them bukus of money. Oh, yeah, but they're still, I mean, they're still doing the shortened season. 
you know, there's still 12, 13 episodes. It's not 24 episodes. So they're still keeping it, you know, they're still doing it shorter. At least there's that. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the comics, I actually have the original comic with me today. Have you? I think, yeah, so if there's anything you like in the ads or anything, I actually have access to them. Um, my copy is not a complete scan, so I just have the story pages and... Do I have a letters page? I don't even have a letters page. So... Of I'm course. Bare, I'm bare-bonesing it today. <laughs> I have an essential or showcase or whatever it is equivalent. Uh, there's really nothing that huge of in them anyway. Then we're talking about Beetle and Habit Two. Although there is one letter I'll, I'll talk about, and they actually have the uh, as, when you get to the letters page, they also give you the Howard ranks of Marveldom, the RFO, the real frantic one, the Titanic true believer. That lasted for so much longer than I feel like it should have done. Yeah, but it's amusing. It's the first time I'm seeing anyone doing this, so might as well. Yeah. We'll see which ones we count as. I'm like, wow, people really actually cared about getting these ranks. Well, you know, give you as much prestige as a new prize. <laughs> okay, right. well, I have we to leave get... in, in an hour and 20, so we should probably get this thing We going. probably should get moving. Okay, well, in that case, then, of course... Then I'm going to cut out something. I was I actually had the synopsis written. So I was actually going to just do the synopsis here then instead of putting it in. But since we have some time constraints, let's just do the notes, and I can, we'll do that next time. Okay. That'll, that'll save some time then. Not that it's not fun chatting. Yeah, no, but yeah, we, there's a, we're trying to do something as well. Yeah. There's an actual point sometimes. I just forget. <laughs> All right, ready? I am. Okay. And three, two, one, 